Hello and welcome to the Gary Miller Show. Uh, today I have a good friend of mine, a good guest, Rachel Finley. She is an actress, realtor, costume designer. But today we are going to be talking about uh, the real estate market, specifically here in Denver. How are you doing today, Rachel? Doing great. Doing awesome. Just uh, trying to stay warm in this snowy weather today. Do you do you feel like this is uh, the kind of weather where like you went out and if you've lived here a long time in Colorado, you're like, maybe this isn't so bad? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the first snow, I everyone just like freaks out in the winter, and then after that, like we're like, eh, whatever. We yeah. like we've grown up in this; it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Do what? What was like the the first big snowstorm you could remember? Oh, I feel like I remember when I was like four or five, and it was the first year that my dad got a snowblower, and it was like a family event. Like he got a snowblower and it snowed. I think like a foot or two and like we all went out and like bundled up and was like we have to watch dad use the snowblower <laughs> it was like this big like even more exciting than the snow was that we got to do the snowblower and i know we have like pictures of like him blowing snow like onto us and i that i have very fond memories of that <laughs> and then i remember trying to use snowblower my first time and it was just a big pain in the ass so <laughs> have you figured out the snowblower since then no, <laughs> I do it by hand now. <laughs> like, it's just like, I feel like you spend half the time just trying to get it going and get it on that. I'm like, if I had just spent this time just shoveling, I would almost be done. <laughs> I feel, I feel like there's, um, the snowblower, depending on the snow, it's either awesome or a hindrance. Like when the snow is really like wet, it's not great to use. <laughs> Yeah, it just gets tangled up on the inside and you're like, screw this. I just want, just give me my shovel. <laughs> we got this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. You're my first podcast of the new year here in 2023. Um, and we were going to talk about the real estate market going on. How was last year for you and how do you think it's going to affect this year? So last year was crazy. Like any agent you talk to or any lender, like it was a crazy year because I, and it, I think you can split it into two halves. So the beginning of the year was kind of a holdover from the crazy COVID, like coming out of that, um, where we had super low interest rates. We had a ton of buyers, a ton of like sellers who were hoping to get, you know, really good deals. And they did. We had people paying over list price, waiving their inspections, um, doing what's called appraisal gaps, which means if the appraisal comes in lower than what the loan is, they make up the difference. So it was just insane. Um, we definitely slowed down as we went through. Um, at the end of the year, it kind of like finally felt like we were in more of a balanced market again, which was really nice um, for buyers. Um, so it was it was just a kind of a crazy roller coaster last year. We just had you know just some crazy circumstances that I don't know we'll ever see again. Um, and it 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 was just like buyer to buyer, crazy things were happening and every transaction was completely different and you had to kind of think on your toes to get things done. Yeah. I, I have, I mean, I think the, the thing people have kind of noticed, especially with millennials, like a lot of people moving to Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, I think like they said like a net inbound migration rate was around like 52%. And like the top three States people are moving. It's like, you know, Texas, California, and um, Florida. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing, more people kind of moving in this year or do you see more people out or like what do you what are you kind of predicting for this year 
I think, you know, Denver is one of those markets that continuously just gets more and more expensive. And so I don't see that we're having as many people move into at least the metro area because it's just, it's hard to afford a house here. Um, and we are actually one of the few markets that when we go into recessions or have things like the 2008 crash, we consistently keep our value um, mm -hmm. more than a lot of other markets in the country. And I think I see a lot of people not really moving into the state or new people. I see a lot of people who are in Denver actually moving a little farther out, like out into the more northern metro areas, more down south. Um, I helped a lot of people move south last year. Um, I think the affordability in the city is getting so bad that I don't see a lot of influx of new people. Mm. That is interesting. I feel like I also have this mindset. I've been watching Yellowstone a lot recently. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that show, but like a lot of it has to do with, uh, I think, some of the same problems that Colorado and Wyoming and all these kind of states are dealing with, with the influx of people moving in, you know? I think definitely we're having that um, in the outside of the Denver area. And I think the mountains is something that we've been talking about for a long time as agents of it's like the people that live there are starting to not be able to live there anymore because there's a lot of people that come out from out of states and buy vacation homes or buy investment properties for Airbnbs and things like that. And they're pushing out a lot of the residents. Um, and so a lot of the mountain towns are actually starting some new legislation this year of you know, putting higher taxes on people that are have vacation homes or have Airbnbs. They're trying to like really do what they can to build more affordable housing. Um, and I do think we'll probably start seeing that as well in the city. Um, I know that there's a lot of animosity towards investors um, that are coming and doing Airbnbs and like really expensive flips and things like that because they're really driving the prices of home homes up um, to a point where you know, the normal median average household can't afford to buy a normal median house. Yeah. So I, I think like Denver, like law too, with the Airbnb, like you have to live on, on residence mm -hmm. um, for them to rent. And I've also seen that like the VRBO ads now, especially like they're kind of highlighting that, that like, Hey, you get this vacation home and no one else is going to be there. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting. You bring that up as far as like that, that, um, real estate market and secondary houses. But I'm also curious if you could explain, explain kind of to a dummy like me, but for people to understand, like, how does that, how do they push people out of, out of uh, places when they start doing that? But um, usually what happens is they just have more cash flow, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people, because a normal, you know, home buyer is someone who buys a mortgage, you know, not buys a mortgage, but applies for a mortgage, a loan in order to finance a purchase. And a lot of investors and people buying vacation homes and things either can outright buy it with cash or they can, you know, finance just a little bit, but they do have a big chunk of cash to put down. And that is really, you know, attractive to sellers um, because it means that they're more likely to close on the deal. And, you know, a cash deal can close in two weeks. It's a very fast, quick thing. Mm. And generally they get more out of it because they don't have to deal with the lender. So that's kind of how they're pushing out the normal home buyer. I know like it's kind of what happened at the beginning of last year is that the people that had more cash were getting the homes. So an average home buyer, if you're a first time home buyer who might not have a ton of cash flow and just have maybe just enough to cover it, you know, a minimum down payment and your closing costs, it's hard for you to compete with someone coming in that has, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay over the list price to, you know, pay off closing costs with another person to do an appraisal gap to all those things. Is, I mean, like everything in life, unfortunately, money is the name of the game. And so whoever has the more money is going to most likely be the one that's going to get those homes. And that's kind of what's happening in investments, especially in, in mountain towns. And I think even in, you know, I see a lot of flips and things in the area that I'm in, kind of in the Wash Park, Corey Merrill area, is that investors come in and they just beat out normal home buyers because they can do that. They can say, hey, we'll give you cash for this home and we'll close in two weeks and we're not going to ask you that much for inspection. So it's just, it's a hard thing for normal home buyers sometimes when they're competing against those odds because they just don't have the cash flow to do anything. It's just interesting you kind of bring that up because I, I have seen like four some foreign companies have bought up land here in Colorado as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what have you really seen with like, we, we always talk about the canna boom in the state or the green rush. Um, some people call that where people started really coming in and even like cannabis companies buying stuff. Have you seen the laws really affect how, you know, companies or investors buy up stuff? Um, I think that, you know, when we first legalized, there was definitely a lot of influx of just people coming in because they wanted to have legal marijuana. Um, in terms of laws, I think, you know, we have started some, like, I don't know if we've started really city laws, state laws, besides like where you can smoke and things like that. Um, if you're in your private residence, you can basically do what you want. But I have seen like HOAs have definitely started to institute their own like laws and regulations around it. Um, but I also have seen, um, and we've discussed this before on another podcast of like, if you have a dispensary in your neighborhood, your home value automatically goes up, mm. which you would think it'd be opposite, but it, it's not. It almost automatically goes up $10,000 just to have a dispensary close to your home. Now, and so, do, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask if schools and how much impact schools have with that or, or other businesses is there like a ratio you kind of see where you're like, all right, this is going to be a good home? Definitely um, schools and like infrastructure make a big difference. Um, we do see a lot of new builds in Colorado, especially on the outskirts of Denver, um, down south and up north. And I think, you know, if there's a good builder in place that has plans for infrastructure, like grocery stores, schools, shopping centers, coffee shops and all that, it is a good investment to buy those homes because um, they will appreciate dramatically. But then there are some builders that don't have those in place. And, you know, those are usually multifamily homes or like, you know, families with kids and things. And it's hard to tell a buyer like, yeah, this home's going to appreciate a ton or you're going to be able to sell it easily if you don't know that there's going to be access to those things that families are looking for. Um, like I'm, I just went and looked down south at this new place um, that's called Sterling Ranch, which is west of Highlands Ranch, and in beautiful homes, beautiful community, but they are still at the beginning stages of building. So their school system is in Highlands Ranch, so it's a little farther away. They don't have any grocery stores. There's no gas stations. So it's going to be a great neighborhood, but you have to understand that it's going to take, you know, a good five, ten years to get there. Um. So infrastructure is definitely a big thing, and that's kind of why you see that homes that are in the Denver metro that already is in the Denver, like, infrastructure with the grocery stores and all that, they're worth more because they just have that those businesses in place to support people. Mm. 
That does make a lot of sense. I think like, you know, I think we talk about the suburbs here in Denver, but I think a new term or a term I heard that really put into perspective was the exurbs and using Mm -hmm. those to describe places like Highlands Ranch, Parker, stuff that's not necessarily suburbs of Denver. Um, And I think that's something used in a lot of uh, suburban sprawl kind of arguments and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about Colorado, at least for me, when you drive down I-25 going from Denver you know, to Castle Rock to Colorado Springs, it's like never-ending homes. And in my perspective, it just looks like there's always something being built. And um, I was curious to you, like, how, how do you think this, like, for instance, this new amphitheater that's being built in Colorado Springs, have you seen that? I have. I just recently saw that yeah. this last week. And I think it's a great thing. It's, and, But I think it's also... Things like that is per- personal preference. I think, you know, we have Fiddler's Green up in a Centennial or a, I think that's Centennial up here, where it's like some people love living next to things like that and some people hate it, but it does bring in more revenue for the city that it's in. So you have to understand, like, you're going to get better infrastructure, better roads, um, you know, better just maintenance of your community because you have those tax revenues. And if you're, if it's raising the value of your homes, which means it raises the property tax, which kind of sucks for you as a homeowner, but the higher the property tax, the nicer the area. So it's kind of a catch-22. I do think, you know, the corridor between Denver and Colorado Springs is, as you said, like being built up so much. There's so many new homes going there that I think we're going to see a lot more things like that amphitheater and more infrastructures and um, movie theaters and restaurants and big hotels and things like that going up as well to support all of that new, those new communities that are going up. What is interesting in Denver though, is that we do see so much new builds, but the, you know, the national average that the government says that you should be doing is that you should, for every six or every two new jobs in a city, you should be building one house. In Denver, we are so far behind because the housing is so in demand that we are only building one new house for every six new jobs. So we're still really far behind in terms of new builds, even as we see them just pop up everywhere. We're having a hard time keeping up with the demand of, you know, people moving out of their parents' homes, graduating college, trying to get into that first home for them. It's We're really far behind on supply and demand here. And I think it's interesting that you bring up like that getting and trying to find that first home. I think there's a lot of people like myself included, like, Outside of being married, like, I don't think it's a real feasibility in this state to get a home, mm-hmm. um, at least in Denver, at least in Denver. Like, is there is there avenues you see for, say, you know, single people or, um, I guess, young people to build towards their first home? Yeah, I definitely, and I totally agree with you. It is, it's a really hard market right now for single people, um, people coming right out of college to get homes. And we kind of call, it's what we call in the industry home hacking. It's mm-hmm. a completely different system and a different way of getting a home that we saw than our parents did of just like, you know, they could buy a home for $80,000, like a four yeah. bedroom, two bath for $80,000 in the eighties and nineties. And that's just not feasible right now. Mm-hmm. So we are advising people like, you know, move in with roommates. We, you are able now on our mortgages to be a part of a mortgage with someone who's not your direct family or you're not married mm-hmm. to. So say you have a roommate that you really, really love and you plan on living with them anyway, you could get on a mortgage with them and that'll bump up your approval rate, bump up what you can afford. 
and then you share that burden of that mortgage. Um, and also, I think, you know, we're not, you're probably, for your first home, not going to get your, the single family that you saw your parents get. Mm-hmm. But we got, you know, a condo is a great way to get your foot into the housing market. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to go further out. You're probably not going to get that downtown city condo, unfortunately. But, you know, you might be able to find a nice condo up in, you know, North Glen or Westminster or Abada. And you have to build your equity and kind of, you know, be smart about home buying to know that like, okay, I'm going to buy this condo. I'm going to live in it for four or five years, build up my equity, build up my credit. Then I'm going to, you know, upgrade to a townhouse and do the same thing there, live there for five years. And you just got to build your way up there. And, you know, the best way to know where you're at, because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm never going to be able to afford it. I'm not going to even try is to connect with an agent and a lender and run your numbers And you might be right. You might not be able to afford it at the time, but a lender is going to be able to tell you like, here's a list of A, B, and C that if you do in the next two years or the next three years, we can probably get you into some kind of home. Mm. Like it might be paying down some debt. It might be fixing up your credit score. It might be a home hack of like, do you have any, you know, great friends? Maybe we can, you know, get you into a kind of a fixer upper home in, one of the suburbs like Lakewood or something like that. And you all have roommates and you just spend five years, you know, fixing up that home. So then when you sell it, you all split the profits and you're able to buy a home on your own. Hmm. So that's something like I never would have known or considered. Cause I feel like when you're single, a lot of times you think towards like renting mm-hmm. um, to kind of build that up or, or whatnot. Um, Cause I know at least like a lot of friends in, in my realm and I'm, I'm, I'm a 30 year old man, but a lot of friends I, I know are still renting. Um, and they live in big cities and stuff like that too. But even, even in the Denver market, I know a lot of friends that are still just renting. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be useful for them to know. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's a hard, like, it's such a catch 22 and it's so weird of like, it should be that if you're able to rent a certain amount, you should be able to buy a house where your mortgage payment is the same. But unfortunately, there's so many other factors that go into being able to uh, be approved for a mortgage that that's not always the case. Because um, I've had many people that I've tried, you know, start on the, that they were like, we're ready to go. We're in a good place. And once I've connected them with the lender, they're like, unfortunately, because of you know, student loans or an old credit card debt, or, you know, your credit's not where it needs to be. We're just not going to be able to get you there. Um, but I think that's, that's why I say like the first step is always to just connect with people that are more knowledgeable than you are in that realm. Like, um, cause I always tell people, I'm not a lender. I can give you the basics, but I think people have an interesting view on lenders that they think they're just predatory and they just want to, you know, get you in that mortgage no matter what, whether you can afford it or not. And some of them are like that, but if you get to go with a good agent, the agent's going to be able to connect you to a good lender who's going to be very honest with you and be able to get you on that path. And I think that's just the first step. You might be get there and be like, okay, well, I'm 30 years old. I wanted to buy a home, connect with the lender. And they're going to be like, you know what, this, you're just not in a great place now. But if you do these things in the next six months or a year, or even two years, then I think we can get you there. But you just have to kind of look at the long term, if that makes sense, rather yeah. than, you know, the short term. And, and any agent or lender who's going to push you and try to get you on their timeline rather than your timeline is not someone you want to work with. I always tell everyone I work with that we're on your timeline. 
Like, I don't care if we get halfway through looking for places or whatever, and you decide this is not right for me right now. I need to take a break, whatever. Like this is, this is, it's a big step in your life to buy a home. Like you need to make sure you're ready. You need to make sure that, you know, you're feeling comfortable with it. And yeah, I might give you a push if I think you're just chickening out and you are ready, but I'm not ever going to pressure anyone to do anything that they're not comfortable with, or I think that they're not ready for. And I think it's like what you're talking about too, is like stuff being ready to, and like learning, um, for instance, like, like home inspections, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Even when you're getting that home inspection, like some people have said, like, you know, make sure you get a plumber and electrician there too. like hire them for that, um, where it's going to save you money in the long run. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, Just stuff like that. And I guess I just want to ask too, is there for this year in particular, we're just focused on 2023. What are like three things that you see or, or, or trends you're seeing or predictions you'd make for this year? Well, first, I think um, I think everyone right now is freaking out about interest rates. Um, we went from a very weird time where we had three percent interest rates or lower, honestly, and which was a crazy, unprecedented thing. And now we're back up to around six. Um, and because we came from three, I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, they're so high, they're crazy." But historically, we're still in a good place for interest rates. Um, and you have to realize that when interest rates were at 3%, that is the crazy time that I was talking about where people were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars over list prices. They were waiving all their inspections, so then they had whatever they needed to fix after they got into the home, that price added onto that. They were having to cover appraisal gaps, so they had that price. So you're really not you know, paying a ton more because the interest rate is a little bit higher. You're because you're paying now. Homeowners are like home buyers are able to go in and actually, you know, get a home for the list price or lower, and they can do the inspection and get things fixed before they move in. They don't have to do an appraisal gap, so you're really saving money even though the interest rate is higher. And we are thinking that you know I'm not a lender, so I can't guarantee this, and I don't know what you know the federal government is thinking. But what we are thinking is that interest rates are about six right now. We think they're going to settle this year between five and five and a half which is really not too bad. It's a really good place for new home buyers. Um, I think the other thing is like, we are at a such a better place now for buyers than we were last year. Um, we're not at a balanced market yet. We're still technically in a seller's market, but buyers are just have a lot more leverage now where they have a, a little bit more choice. They don't have as much competition. Um, so it's gonna be a lot easier to get into a home this year than it was last year, the beginning of last year. Um, I think, you know, historically, um, Denver is not super affected by recessions. Um, We don't typically see a sharp decline in our home values that a lot of the other countries sees when we're in a recession. So you don't need really need to worry to get in that you're going to get into a house and then the recession is going to hit and you're going to be upside down. Like we're pretty steady here. Again, I'm I can't predict the future. I can't guarantee that, but historically that's what we've seen. Um, and I think, you know, this is a great time to buy. It's just a, it's a good time to get in. If you didn't buy last year, like congratulations, you didn't have to deal with the craziness that was going on. Um, and now you can relax a little bit. You can take your time and go see multiple places. Our inventory is still not where we really need it to be, but it's a lot better than it was. So I think I'm actually pretty optimistic about this year 
Um, I think we're going to, you know, we're going to move more towards a balanced market. I don't think the interest rates are going to get crazy. Um, I think I covered all three things in one statement here, but <laughs> I just, I think, you know, don't, the news really radicalizes things and makes it seem a lot worse than it is. And everyone is different. Every home transaction is different. Everyone's situation is different. And if you get a good lender and a good agent, they're going to work with you to tailor the experience to where you're at. Um, they're going to, you know, get you into a home that's good for you. Um, they're hopefully will have your interests in mind rather than their own. Um, and I think, you know, I always tell people if you're ready to buy and you're financially ready and you're mentally ready and emotionally ready, like it doesn't matter what the market's doing. We're going to figure it out. And there might be different difficulties and different challenges that you face, but you know, if you're ready, you're ready and let's just do it because you never know what's going to happen. If you wait, you might, you know, you might get a better deal if you wait, but also it might get much worse. So, you know, just jump in, I think. I think that's like, it's kind of interesting. Like it could definitely go up, you know, you never know with the, with the prices and stuff like that. But I think it just matters like where you, where you can afford it, like you're saying. So, Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I'm looking forward to having you on here whenever you want. Um, awesome. If you guys are looking for a realtor in the Denver area, check out my friend Rachel Finley. She's awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, you recently won an award, didn't you? Did you not? I did. Um, <laughs> I was the 2023 Rising Star for my uh, brokerage, which is your Castle Real Estate. Um, I'm on the team, uh, My New Era. So, uh, yeah, I was like, I was actually, <laughs> took a big surprise. I had a really good first uh, year last year, and I, you know, I... Just I didn't try to really be the top of January, but I just really enjoyed helping people and really enjoyed getting people into homes. I really want to make it a great experience, and I want at the end I want you to say, "Wow, that was easy," or "Wow, that was fun," rather than like, "Oh my gosh, that was the hardest thing I've done in my life." Um, that is my ultimate goal every time I work with someone, and I think that attitude is what has you know made me kind of successful just because I don't, I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the, you know, the getting into the top awards. I just do it because I love helping people and I, I want it to be a good experience. And I, I think, you know, having a home is just such a, an amazing thing, an amazing accomplishment in anyone's life that I just want, I want to be a part of it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And Hey, I know a lot of people appreciate that too, uh, especially the experience, I think when you're you're going through that, you want to make sure like somebody cares about you as a person as well. So that's awesome, dude. Um, you're always doing doing good stuff for people and helping people out. And uh, like I said, if you're in the Colorado area, check her out, guys. So I, I cannot recommend that enough. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I always always love talking to you. <laughs>